Episode 39, Church History, Part 8. In the 2nd century, 101 to 200 AD, schisms and heresies were running amok. Marcionism, the Gnostic Grace Gospel, was established. Marcion was the first to canonize Christian scripture and believe the God who sent Yeshua was different than the God of the Judaites and the Israelites, the seeds of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Montanism, the new prophecy movement or prophecy movement where they prophesied, preached the second coming of Yeshua, and people would fall out. Some church fathers disagreed with these heresies and schisms, and other church fathers agreed and joined the movement. Arrhenius, a church father, believed in apostolic succession, where they inherited the spiritual authority from the 12 disciples who walked with Yeshua. He believed Mary never sinned. He also did not want Christians to associate or hang with the Israelites. He felt it would confuse their faith. Clement of Alexandria believed in Plato. He merged paganism with Christianity. Teletillion, the attorney and church father as well, liked the prophecy movement. He created the term Trinity and created the Trinitarian theology to describe the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. He said unity is distributed in a Trinity. Alrighty then. Origen, student of Clement. He trained catechumens as new converts to be baptized. He produced the Hexapla Bible and believed Satan could be saved. The Roman emperors during this time that persecuted Christians were Marcus Aurelius in 161 to 180 AD, Commodus in 177 to 192 AD, and Septimius in 193 to 211 AD. These persecutions were mostly at local levels, and they were not consistent. Septimius reigned from the 2nd century to the 3rd century. He killed his predecessor, Marcus Didius, and turned the Roman government into a military monarchy. His leadership conquered and defeated lands in the west and in the east. He even traveled to Britain in 208 to strengthen Hadrian's Wall. Christians were punished if they did not worship the emperor and the gods, but no one was really checking, so it was inconsistent. Septimius decided he wanted to promote harmony by forming syncretism. Syncretism is combining different beliefs and different practices of different religions. Septimius focused on the worship of the soul invictus or the unconquered sun, and Constantine focused on this sun worship as well. People could worship whoever they wanted, as long as the sun was a top deity of their worship. This was syncretism. The Christians and any remaining Israelites rejected this mandate and were dealt with as needed. Irenaeus dies or was killed in 202 AD. Origen's father was killed in Alexandria and Clement fled. He just bounced. Septimius falls ill after an invasion in Scotland and dies in 211 AD. His two sons, Caracalla and Jetta inherit the throne from 211 to 217 AD. Caracalla didn't like his wife because his father, Septimius, picked her. So he had her executed for treason. After his father died, he orders his brother, Geta, to be assassinated. Caracalla was later stabbed to death in 217 AD. In the third century from 201 to 300 AD, Roman emperors came and went. Macrinus, the Roman emperor from 217 to 218 AD, served Caracalla and believed to have ordered the execution of Caracalla. Scandalous! Caracalla's aunt, 
groomed Elagabalus, his cousin, to take the throne for Macrinus. Elagabius reigned from 218 to 222 AD until he was assassinated. Alexander, another cousin, is heir to the throne and he reigns from 222 to 235 AD. During his reign, the Persians are advancing in the east as Alexander suppresses the uprising. He eventually was also assassinated. Maximinus becomes the emperor 235-238 AD. Historians note that he ordered 235 local Christian leaders to be put to death. He was eventually killed by his soldiers in 238 AD. Gordian I and II were father and son, emperors for 32 days in 238 AD. Gordon II was killed in battle, and his father, Gordon I, committed suicide afterwards. Maximus and Balbinus were emperors for three months in 238 AD. Then Gordian III became the emperor from 238 to 244 AD at the age of 13. He was the youngest emperor ever, but he was killed in battle. Philip the Arab becomes emperor from 244 to 249 AD. He was born in Syria and negotiated with the Persian Empire for peace. He was emperor for five years when the region was unstable and plagued with financial difficulties. Some historians believe Philip was the first Christian emperor. He was also killed in battle. Philip de Leder, professor at College of William and Mary states, the Roman Empire faced pressures of most of its widely extended borders during the course of the third century. The Roman Empire had a very difficult time dealing with the threat of the Persian invasions and the German invasions. Decius becomes the emperor in 249 to 251 AD. His goal was to restore the empire to its original glory, with traditions of old put back in place. He was a politician and was announced emperor by his troops after he killed Philip the Arab. Decius saw the empire in disarray because it had not kept in place the original Roman deities. He quickly saw that a unified worship of the Roman deities was needed to restore Rome back to its original stance in society. He issued an edict ordering everyone in the empire to perform sacrifices to Roman gods and to the emperor according to the ancient pagan religion. The sacrifices had to be in the presence of a Roman official and confirmed by a signed and witnessed certificate from the official. The enforcement of this Roman religion policy would require loyalty from the entire empire to Decius, the emperor, and to the pagan deities. Thus, the Catholic Church would be persecuted. Any remaining Israelites were exempt from following the edict. Kenan Prepper states, Gone were the sporadic local persecutions of the old days. Decius intended to persecute anyone who refused his order to sacrifice to the deities by burning incense, pouring a libation, or tasting of the sacrificial meat. Those who abided by the policy and performed these rites would receive certificates attesting that they had sacrificed to the deities. Decius' persecutions were unlike those that flowed from the emperors before him. He wasn't out to make martyrs of Christians. He would instead create Christian apostates by forcing them to accept his religion and abandon their own. Many Christians were forced to choose between their religious beliefs and following the edict. 
those that followed the law received a certificate of sacrifice and their actual certificates that were found in the provinces of Rome. These Christians were apostatized, meaning they formally abandoned their Christian religion. Christians were really persecuted on Adacius as they were executed or died in prison for refusing to offer the sacrifices to Dacius and the Roman pagan gods. The number of persecutions is unknown, but historians say it was not a large amount. Decius was only emperor from 249 to 251 when he was killed in battle. With the instability of the Roman Empire, the Persians are still gaining territory. Valerian becomes the emperor from 253 to 260 AD. And he followed Decius and continued the persecutions. With Decius and Valerian, the Christians were in a bigger mess from schisms and heresies. Now they actually denounced their religion and participated in the worship of the emperor and pagan Roman gods. Kenan Prepper states, those who were newly minted as confessors enjoyed the same privileges as presbyters in the church and were given the authority to forgive sins. This is because they were believed to have received a special portion of the set-apart spirit after they refused to give in to their persecutors. So the confessors were thought to be the ones with the authority to decide on the fate of the lapsed such as who would be restored to the communion status within the church. Confessors and presbyters were leaders or overseers of the local Christian churches. Bishops were the overseers of the presbyters. These leaders were special because they claimed to have been filled with the Holy Ruach and did not give in to deshuous laws of worshiping pagan gods. They could forgive sin and give communion. The Eucharist, meaning Thanksgiving, was first introduced by Ignatius, another church father of Antioch, to commemorate the body of Yeshua. Eucharist is communion or the Lord's Supper. Ignatius began the universal Catholic church, established the bishop roles, and believed to have changed the Sabbath day to the Lord's day, which is Sunday. Ignatius states, Take care to do all things in harmony with God, with the bishop presiding in the place of God, with the presbyters in the place of the council of the apostles, and with the deacons who are most dear to me and trusted with the businesses of Jesus Christ, who was with the Father from the beginning and is at last made manifest. This is a Christian church father establishing these rules that you cannot find in Scripture. Keenan Prepper states, to be denied the weekly elements of bread and wine meant certain spiritual death and damnation, and that bread and wine, through the supposed miracle of transubstantiation, was believed to literally transform into the body and blood of the Messiah after being blessed. What? The role of the bishops and presbyters giving communion changed their titles in the third century to priest. As the Eucharist was seen as a sacrifice after Romans theology, the role of the bishop became more priestly. It was noted by historians at the end of the third century, the term priest was used regularly. Emperor Valerian is captured by the Persians. His reign finally ends in 260 AD. By this time, churches were having conflicts on deciding who can restore communion to those who have fallen. Is it only the bishops? Is it the bishops and the presbyters? 
Can the confessors give pardons for those apostatized? Yes, church leaders plan God then and still plan God now. Thus, the penance system became formalized for repentance of sins or confession. Baptism was the first conversion. Penance was the second. Everyday sinners repented and generally found support and reconciliation in the Eucharist. Practice varied on which sins required ecclesial ministry. The practice of penance took several forms, from fasting, almsgiving, wearing sackcloth and ashes, prayer and works of charity. Tertullian, another church father, an attorney, said the sackcloth symbolized the goats separated from Christ's flock, and the ashes symbolized exclusion from the paradise of the church. Bishops were responsible for penance, but controversy of who could be reconciled was a recurring issue in the West, and the East appeared to be more lenient. Richard Fletcher, in his book, The Conversion of Europe, states, Penance could only be administered by a bishop. It was public shaming. The ceremony took place before the entire congregation of his or her Christian community. Penitents were segregated into a special part of the church where they listened to communal intercessions for them of their neighbors. The penitent had to observe long life chastity thereafter and was debarred from ever holding a public office. A 7th century king of Spain who underwent penance had to abdicate. Penance thereby aimed mortal blows at family and civil life. The penitent became, in effect, a non-person. My question is, why is this even necessary when Yeshua died on a tree to forgive, to heal, and to restore everyone? All we have to do is repent to him. The misinterpretation or the interpretation of scripture with pagan roots is astonishing. In the third century, there were about 30 emperors and this signal chaos and instability of the entire empire, which was having severe political, military, and economic crisis. During this period, after Valerian, the next significant emperor was Diocletian, who came to power in 284 to 305 AD. He was like no other emperor, as his persecution of Christians was severe. Diocletian was born to slaves in a Roman province and rose in the ranks in the Roman army and became a commander. Diocletian restored efficiency in the Roman government. He reorganized the fiscal, administrative, and military machinery of the empire to lay the foundation for the Byzantine Empire or the East Roman Empire and the empire in the West. He went to war with the Sarmatians and Persians and was able to secure the Roman border to stop the Persians and drive back the barbarians. He even recaptured territory from Britain and the Persians. Diocletian divided the empire into the east and the west with an emperor and a vice emperor for each region. Emperor is known as Augustus. The vice emperor is called Caesar. Prior to Diocletian, the emperors were governed by one emperor and then passed from father to son or next of kin. In 299 AD, the emperors took part in a ceremony of sacrifice and divination in an attempt to predict the future. They were unable to read the entrails of the sacrificed animals and blamed the Christians. 
the emperors ordered all members of the court to perform a sacrifice to purify the palace. The emperor sent letters to the military command demanding the entire army perform the required sacrifices or face discharge. Historians say Diocletian was a conservative and faithful to the traditional Roman pantheon and religious purification. But Eusebius and Lactinus and Constantine state it was Galerius, not Diocletian, who was the prime supporter of the purge and its greatest beneficiary. Galerius was one of the Caesars. Kingdom Preppers states, Galerius saw the greatest military action along the borders fending off barbarians and Persians alike. Because several Roman soldiers within the legions were confessed Christians, this created a degree of friction. Many of them refused to obey orders and some tried to leave the army. Other Christians refused to join. Galerius developed a disdain for them and took the matter to Diocletian in an attempt to convince him to expel them all. They tried to force some Christian soldiers to deny their faith rather than face expulsion and this resulted in the execution of various Christians in the army stationed in Danube, which was under Galerius' command. In 302 AD, Diocletian ordered that the deacon Romanus of Caesarea have his tongue removed for defying the order of the courts and interrupting official sacrifices and he was later executed. According to Lactanius, Diocletian and Galerius entered into an argument over emperor policy towards Christians at Nicomedia in 302 AD. Diocletian argued that forbidding Christians from the bureaucracy and military would be sufficient to appease the gods, but Galerius wanted extermination. In 303 AD, the emperors Diocletian, Maximian, Galerius, and Constantinus issued a series of edicts rescinding Christians' legal rights and demanding that they comply with traditional religious practices. Later, edicts targeted the clergy and demanded universal sacrifice, ordering all inhabitants to sacrifice to the gods. Historian Kevin Madigan states, it was he who launched the fiercest, longest, and most systematic purge of the Christians, traditionally called the Great Persecution persuaded that the Christians were the cause of bad omens and also to blame for a deteriorating economy. The emperor issued a series of edicts and then to terminate the Christian community for its refusal to participate. In November 303 AD, Roman soldiers destroyed and looted a church in Nicomedia. They burned all the scriptures they could find. Soon, an edict was published requiring the destruction of all churches and sacred scriptures. In response, Christians in the East revolted and burned some imperial buildings. Diocletian retaliated by burning almost 300 Christians in Nicomedia. Another edict was issued. All higher clergy were to be in prison, but a third edict allowed them reprieve on the condition that they would sacrifice. A fourth edict raised the stakes by requiring all to sacrifice. The penalty was hard labor or death. This time, thousands, not hundreds, were tortured, mutilated, enslaved, incarcerated, or put to death. Diocletian laws to destroy Christians were noted as the last great persecution of the Christians. In 305 AD, he retired and died of an illness between 311 and 316 AD. 
Galerius and Constantinus moved from Caesar to Augustus and were now emperors of the East and the West. Persecutions continued in the East with Galerius as the emperor, but the West didn't want to continue the persecutions, so civil war broke out. Finally, Galerius in the East was overthrown and Constantinus dies. Constantinus' son Constantine becomes the emperor in the West, and Licinius, who allied with Constantine, becomes the emperor in the East. Persecutions finally stop, and Christians who made it through the persecutions were free from torture and released from jail. During this review of the third century, you see clearly the Judaites and the Israelites who followed the Torah and the teachings of Yeshua were long gone and were not being persecuted. Only the Christians were. If there were any Israelites who remained, they were allowed to follow their beliefs without persecution. And the other Israelites who denounced their heritage and followed the ways of the Christians were persecuted. Or if they followed the ways of Rome, they were fine. Keep in mind, there were Romans who took up some of the ways of the Israelites as they stole their land and began some of the Israelite practices. These Romans and or descendants of Japheth and Esau would begin Judaism, a religion from their pagan roots with some of the Israelite practices. It's important to stress as we review the history of the church, the Christian Catholic Church from Paul to the church fathers of the first, second, and third century purposefully and intentionally excluded the ways and heritage of the Israelites, who Yeshua came and died for. You can see this clearly in their church laws and customs of the Christian church fathers and the foundation of the Christian Catholic Church. There were two groups who were mutually exclusive, and that was the Christians and the followers of the Torah and Yeshua who were Israelites and any Gentiles who believed. Irenaeus, a Greek bishop of the church and a church father of the second century, stressed the importance of ostracizing Israelites from the Christians to avoid any type of confusion in the Christians' faith. Was the persecution of the Christians because of them excluding the Israelites, as well as denouncing the Torah and not following the complete teachings of Yeshua? Was a persecution due to them following their pagan roots and ways of Rome or because they took land that did not belong to them? Y'all said Japheth would enlarge themselves and clearly they have done this throughout history over and over again. The Romans are the descendants of Japheth and Esau and Paul began the Christian church in Antioch, which was their country and where Paul grew up and became a Pharisee. Paul was persecuting Israelites, the followers of the Torah and the followers of Yeshua. He was not persecuting Christians or Romans. Paul determined the Christian religion in Antioch later. And the church fathers built upon this Christian religion century after century, which excluded the original Israelite Hebrew customs and the complete teachings of Yeshua. This is the history of the Christian church and the foundation of Christianity. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or comment here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar, let truth reign, let truth speak, and let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars, truth reigns, truth 
please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.